Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful let the word of christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you as you sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to god and do whatever and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him Amen. Aside whether the gospel's even true or not, actually belonging to a church is actually, on the whole, good for you. Uh, your children learn all sorts of good things, like they're being taught at the moment. Isn't it wonderful to see the children here and then the children taking part in music and learning from all age groups? See, one of the problems with raising children in today's world is that their friends are all of the same age. In church, their friends are of a different age. See? There's various things. The way God has made us, the way God has made us, churches often, when they're working properly, often give us things that you won't get anywhere else. Because that's what God, that's how God set the thing up. So uh, take courage. If, if you could, God forbid, strip all the churches out of Australia, it would be a disaster for this nation. Our nation needs churches. And one of the things, one of the features of modern life all around the Western world is the attack on or the, the, uh, the ebbing away of belonging to voluntary organisations, not just churches, clubs, uh, um, uh, uh, sporting clubs, uh, d uh, charitable organisations, even chess clubs, who knows what. Uh, people used to join clubs and run, now they run on their own. People used to, see, our society has become intensely individualistic. But that's not how God has made us. Western society is turning its back on God 
has also turned its back on the way God intended us to operate. Now churches, churches like yours, are immensely significant gifts of God to our community. Because churches like yours, if they're operating properly, will model what it is to be human, truly human. Any questions? Differences? Disagreements? No, no, I want, I, any discussion of this point? Everyone see the point? Okay. That this is God, churches are God's blessing to our society. Take heart. Take courage. And when you see the children, and when you see the musicians, as long as they don't see too much of them, like three and a half hours or something, uh, this is fantastic. Fantastic. God be thanked for our churches, and God be thanked for this church. No, because individualism, what I want, you, 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 you see them in the bus, everyone's got their own thing, they're not talking, they're listening to their own thing which they choose, which they think is freedom, it's actually a new bondage. Hmm. I catch the bus much more often than I used to now, but I catch the bus there, what is really nice is that people stand up and give me their seat. Uh, <laughs> I look around to see, what? And uh, often, however, I, a, a young lady stood up and gave me a seat recently. I said no, but then a young gentleman stood up and gave me a seat. But I'll tell you what, they're usually Asians. Uh, because there's still that sense in the Asian community, even here in Australia, of respect for elders and, and community, which Aussies have so frequently lost. Okay? Uh, and this is a spiritual thing. It's not just a sort of, oh, it happens to be the way we are. It's a, it's a deeply spiritual thing. Yes, sir? That's right. Yeah. My, my older brother, who wasn't a believer, opened the door for a lady once at a school meeting, a PNC meeting, and she abused him. And he said, Madam, I do this for my dog. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say something like that. Um, but as well as being immensely impolite, uh, her reaction to you was immensely impolite, of course, uh, and, and discourteous on her part. But you see, what it's saying is, we're not a community any longer. I don't care. Now, okay, I know she had her, she had her ideology to support, but it's not a good ideology, is it? Respect for women and children by men is something that men have to learn from the earliest possible moment. You may have noticed that on the whole, men are physically bigger and stronger than women. On the whole, this is true. Why do I have to say this in today's world? It's just obviously true. And it is the duty of a man to respect, honour, and care for, in the right place, in the right way, women and children. That's our business. And therefore, to, to have a go at a man because he stood for you, I, know, I understand, but to have a go for a man, it, it just doesn't help in the, in the community in which we live. However, there we go. Uh, I'm just an old chap. What am I doing?
Uh, let's pray again. Dear God and loving Heavenly Father, once more we come to you in prayer and we ask that you would teach us from your word who we are and what we are meant to be. And we pray these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, in your booklet, you'll find page 16, you'll find the discussion questions, which God willing we'll get to. Uh, page 16. Uh, I want you to see those now because when the talk gets a bit boring, you can think about the discussion questions. Uh, can you be a Christian without church? Don't I, no one's asking you to call out. Don't call out. It's the first rule of being a primary school teacher. Can you be a Christian without church? Secondly, how do you know a genuine church? We've asked that question before, and I'm, I want you now to return to it and keep asking that question. And what is the difference between church and a Christian social club? See, I, I can be really, uh, this is a, you won't like this question because it's sort of a, a, an out of order questions these days, but, uh, and please don't call out, it's okay. But why don't you go to the local Roman Catholic church? What is the difference between your church and the local Roman Catholic church, and why would you not go there? Wouldn't it be better if we sort of closed up a lot of the churches in town, all went and had one big church, and wouldn't it be better to go to the local Roman Catholic church? Why don't you? Now, you ought to have a reason for not. Um, and uh, I hope you know the reason why you wouldn't. And let me say, please don't. It's okay. I'm not asking you to do this. <laughs> but you ought to have at least worked out a reason why you would not go to that church. You would come to this church. And so forth and so on. Okay. Now, um, the subject now is the purpose of the church. What does it do? What does it do? What is the role or task of the church? Every organisation these days has a mission statement, don't they? You know, the, uh, I saw the mission statement of Target. Was it Target? And, and so, was, you know, uh, to make every Australian look good and feel good. Every Australian has the right... Uh, every Australian has the right to feel good and look good. And to feel happy. It's so stupid. <laughs> And I love the right. You have the right to do this, you know. It's rights language taken to its ultimate stupidity, which just goes to show. Okay, so what's our agenda? What's our mission statement as, a, as, a, as, as churches? Now, you, your church might have a mission statement, I don't know, but uh, what, is, what is church's mission statement? Uh, now, you can think of a number of things uh, that church might exist for. Uh, talk to the person next to you, and uh, half a minute, uh, the question is, What's our mission? What what should be the mission? Not of our church at Port necessarily, but if I'm in a church, what's the what's the mission statement? Go. Okay, pause. Uh, this time.
to glorify Jesus through the teaching of his gospel. Yeah. Okay? Right. Others? To be a witness for God and Christ in the community. Okay, thank you. Uh, does anyone think uh, that the uh, business of society, business of the church, is uh, to make a difference in society? Mm -hmm. Mind you, be careful of that phrase, won't you? Hitler made a difference. Uh, it would have to be a good difference that you're talking about. Uh, okay, is it the business of the church to uh, reunite for everyone to be? in the one church, unity. Depends which church we're talking about. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> you never wanted to be Greek Orthodox. I could tell that. Yeah. yeah. The beards get to you. Yes. The future church. Say again. Tell me. Uh, well, question future. That is, I know what you mean, you're, you're perfectly correct. But remember, the future church already exists. We are already with Christ, united in him. Okay. When the Lord prayed uh, that they may all be one, do you think his prayer wasn't answered? Uh, I think it was. We're all one in Christ Jesus, even though we may be in different denominations or churches, I think. So, yes, the future church is, is one. Yep, yep. Okay, uh, I'll give you an answer that I wrote. Uh, well, of course, everyone was correct. Whatever answer you gave was very sound. Uh, having said that, what I want to say, and I'll come back to this later, is our business as church is to be. Mm. Okay, I'll come back to that later. <laughs> All right, not to A or to C, but to B. I mean B-E. All right, to B. Come back to that a bit later. It's not inconsistent with many of the things that were said, but it just gets to what I think is the essence. Uh, why do we go to church? This is a slightly different question. Why do we go to church? And I want to give an answer to that and then come back to that as well. So if you're writing down, then this is a sentence to write down, okay? Uh, I think, see, I, I think to myself, what's the difference between a church and a Christian soccer club? You're perfectly right for a group of people to have play soccer every Wednesday as Christians together, if you want to do that, uh, is that a church? Because it's a group of Christians meeting for a particular purpose. No, church is more than just a meeting of Christians even. Church has a particular purpose, and here's what I say. Okay, to meet the Lord, church is first of all, the business of church is to meet the Lord, where? In his word, to meet the Lord in his word, and by his spirit, to meet the Lord in his word and by his spirit, in a loving fellowship with each other. In a loving fellowship with each other. Okay? That's my, that's my version. You, you can improve it, I'm sure. But to meet the Lord in his word and by his spirit in a loving fellowship with each other. It's not, it's, in other words, not just a group of Christians. A group of Christians going on a bus tour. No, that's not church, even though it's a group of Christians. You've got to ask, why, uh, what, what, what's the purpose here? The purpose is to meet the Lord. Uh, it's not even to meet each other. Yes, that's true. We do gather to meet each other. But the purpose is to meet the Lord in our gathering. Now, we meet the Lord individually. 
but church offers us an opportunity to meet the Lord in his word, that is how he communicates to us, in the power of his spirit, of course, and in fellowship with each other. Okay. That, that's, that's my take on that. Uh, but more of that in due course. Now, uh, let's have a look at these uh, topics that I've uh, indicated here. First of all, the origins of the church. Uh, the origin, where did it all spring from? Well, now, I've already indicated to you it's, it was in the Garden of Eden. Adam, Adam, Adam and Eve. Uh, but if you go back into eternity, have a look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and it was interesting. I beg your pardon, is it Doug? No. Who, who led us in prayer this morning? David. David, I beg your pardon, David. Um, uh, I got the D right at least. Uh, 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 the choice of, at the end of Ephesians 1, very, very apt. Uh, if you look at Ephesians 1, it's one of the most wonderful passages of all scripture, if you can distinguish between passages in scripture like that. Uh, but have a look at verses uh, 3 to 5, for example. Uh, look, why should I have the fun of reading it? Why, why don't we all read it together? I've got an ESV Bible. You've probably got other versions there. But we can all just make a noise, okay? So you ready? We're going to read verses 3 to 5, including verse 5. Oops, that doesn't finish with a Full stop. Go down to verse 6. We'll read 3 to 6 together. It's such a wonderful passage. Why don't we have all the fun? Okay, go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Thank you. Isn't that great? Now, he's talking church there. It's us. It's us as a group. He doesn't mention the word church, but he's talking about the redeemed, the, 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 the group of us, shall I say. And where does church come from? It comes from the love of God. It comes springing out of the love of God. Uh, he loves his church, he, and he has created the church out of love. It comes out of God's election. Uh, God chooses. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, they are his choice people. Those, and there's that word uh, in my version, predestined, predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So when you, uh, when you become a Christian, uh, I, I became a Christian on April the 20th, 1959, and I chose Jesus Christ. And then I discovered I chose him because he chose me. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and how wonderful that is. I wasn't, I wasn't clever enough to choose him, and I certainly wasn't good enough, but he opened my mind by his Holy Spirit, and he drew me to himself as his, his son, uh, and with many other sons that day as well. Uh, the adoption, uh, the, adoption working, the election of God working out in the adoption of God. Now, he does it through a purchase. Have a look at verse 6. Uh, in him, or verse, uh, yes, he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. The thing that you have in common with your fellow church members is that you're all hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. Hey, wasn't it great we sang a John Newton hymn just a minute ago? Oh, I love the singing, but John, uh, you know, glorious things of thee are spoken. Zion, city of our God. Zion is a picture of church. 
and our final destination. We have already come to Zion, Hebrews chapter 12. We're already in the final church. Uh, and uh, John Newton's great hymn, of course, uh, he's well known for amazing grace. John Newton and William Wilberforce made sure that on the first fleet there was an evangelical chaplain. And they sent him, John Newton wrote a special poem for him, telling him that he wasn't just there to be a chaplain to the convicts, he was to plant the gospel standard in the South Seas. He was been to be a missionary to the South Sea uh, in which he'd been planted. And indeed, the gospel went from Sydney to, anyone know? New Zealand, remember? No, it was his successor. Samuel Marsden, also chosen, though, specially chosen to be here by Wilberforce. Wilberforce and Newton, we owe them, in some ways, the gospel in this country. Isn't that great? Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. Now, uh, Newton, as you know, grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a very clever and very wise man who was filled with good works like me. No. A wretch like me. And that's the truth about you, and that's the truth about me. Newton said at the end of his life, remember that film about his life, I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great saviour. Now, if you can't confess that, then you might be coming to church, but you're not a member of church. You're not, you're not, you have not yet capitulated to Christ. So we're all here, and this is what is so stupid when we criticise each other, isn't it? As if you have the right to criticise. As if you're so wonderful. As if you're not saved by grace alone, through faith alone. Yes? So, uh, the wonderful thing about everyone who comes to church is if you really are a member of what used to be called the invisible church, the church of the elect, the church that God has chosen, as opposed to people who simply come to church, uh, some churches contain people that don't really know the Lord, which is good in a way, but not so good in another way. Anyhow, we're all, all of us have this in common. Look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. We are only gods through purchase. Now, you see this as well in the passage we looked at, uh, first of all, look at over at Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, if I say to you that Christ uh, gave himself for the world, that's true. But here we're reminded that in particular, he gave himself for the church. And isn't that a wonderful thought? You are his bride. He gave himself for you. He had you in mind, or put it this way, he had us in mind as his church. He died to save. You can say he died to save the world, that's true. But you can also say he died to save his people, his church, his bride, and so on. Okay, so through the purchase of the Lord Jesus Christ, now, it's a purchase that extends to all people. Uh, that is to say, if you look at uh, verses, there's an interesting little bit in verses 11 and 12 of this very chapter, chapter 1. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, etc. And then have a look at verse uh, uh, 13. In him you also. Now, the we there is we Jews, 
and to you also are you, are you Gentiles. Now, there may well be some folk here with Jewish lineage. There usually is. Most churches I've ever been in have had people with Jewish lineage, praise the, God, praise the Lord. So maybe here too. But most of us in our church experience are Gentiles. We shouldn't even be here. We don't belong to the family of Abraham. We're not Israel according to the flesh. We, we're sort of interlopers. If you think it's grace to be here, well, it's grace upon grace for you Gentiles to be here, and me too. Okay, so now look at what he says about us. Verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, that is the inheritance, to the praise of his glory. Uh, Paul was astonished that Gentiles, non-Jews, should receive the Holy Spirit. Gentiles were dogs. Gentiles were unclean. Gentiles were beyond the pale. And yet, in God's mercy, he gave his Holy Spirit even to Gentiles who believed in Jesus. Okay? Believe in Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit. By the way, it doesn't say believe in Jesus and then, a, 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 you know, if, if you're a good person, about 10 years later, you might get an extra dollop of the Holy Spirit. No, no, you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we get it. Isn't that grace news, if I can put it like that? Okay, so now both, so the key point here is both Jews and Gentiles uh, belong to God in and through the work that Christ has done. Now, uh, now we're united with Christ because this whole passage talks about in him, in him, in him. In other words, you're united with Christ and once you're united with Christ, of course, you're united with your fellow believers. All through time and all through space. So your fellow believers all around the world now, but your fellow believers who have gone before us, all united because we are united in Christ. And then the, the bit that David read us from the end of chapter 1 is a wonderful picture. Oh, it's hard to take in, but it's a wonderful picture of Christ. Have a look at... Um, uh, verse 21, he is ruling far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age but the age to come. So it's a picture of the Lord. Remember when human beings were created, we were created in the image of God to rule the world. Now Jesus, just ask yourself, is Jesus still man? Don't answer. Just answer for yourself. Is Jesus still man? Or did he stop being man when he was resurrected? I hope you're giving the answer. Of course he's still one of us. He is the man. He will always be man as well as God. He didn't cease to be God, but he took upon himself humanity as well. And he is always one of us. And he is ruling over all things, and you are in him. You are in him. So as it goes on here, and he put all things under his feet, which is where Adam and Eve should have been, you know, ruling the world, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. And then that funny phrase, I don't know how you translate it in your version, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The picture there, fullness there means rule or reign or authority. And it really means the church is the place where Christ's rule is perfectly extended. Christ is the Lord of the church. He rules over his church. And so when we come to church, we come to church in order to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in his word, through the power of his spirit, 
and in fellowship with each other. That's what we come to do. Why are you going to church? To meet Jesus. Why? Because he's the head of the church. He rules over the church. And uh, he is the man. He is the one. Remember, we were made in the image of God. Now we are being remade in the image of God. And the image of God for us is the Lord Jesus as the, as the true ruler of all things. Isn't that amazing? It's absolutely wonderful. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do now is uh, skip the next bit, which is the names of the church. Oh, tell me... Uh, no, no time. We'll do it some other time. Um, uh, and go to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, down there, the functions of church, which uh, Lachlan read to us. Very distinguished name, Lachlan. Mrs. Macquarie, uh, Lachlan Macquarie's wife, uh, was a believer, I think. I think that's true to say. And she cooperated a lot with the Christians in the early colony to make sure that the, the Bible was handed out, for example. The Bible Society was founded in 1817, I think it was, or even earlier, to make sure that every person living in the colony had a Bible. The Macquarie's, they were Scottish. <laughs> They were what? They were Charles's. The Bible Society, oh I see, they were Charles's in that sense, Peter. The Bible Society in Australia, or the Bible Society worldwide, was founded by one of your ancestors. The Benevolent Society was founded by one of my ancestors. <laughs> However, the Benevolent Society has no longer any Christian roots, whereas the Bible Society still does. So the Charleses trumped the Jensens. Good. Okay. My ancestor was called Crook, believe it or not, which was a very difficult name in the early colony of New South Wales. Anyhow, we'll go there. Thank you. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Praise God uh, for the Bible Society. Praise God for that. Uh, and praise God for those who worked so hard in the early days in New South Wales to make sure there were churches and the gospel was preached. Thank God for Newton and Wilberforce and all the others as well uh, who made sure that the gospel was preached in our society. Colossians 3. Now this passage here is really in a sense, a it's a picture, a portrait of church. A portrait of church. First of all, notice the beginning there, chapter 3, verses 1 to, uh, 1 to 4, uh, where uh, set your mind on things above, okay, verse uh, 2, not on things that earth, you have died, past tense. For those over 55, you'll know what I mean. You have died. It happened in the past. And your life is hid with Christ in God. The real truth about you, I can look at you and say, oh, a bit short-sighted and funny-looking or something like this. The real truth about you is that your life is hid with Christ in God now. And uh, when Christ appears, you will appear with him in glory. The fact is that you are gathered with Christ now. Or Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, you have come, have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the church of the firstborn. It says, you are there now. You are with, you are gathered with Christ's people now, see around his throne in heaven. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, verses, uh, uh, what is it, eight? No, five down. Live it out. Live it out. Now, Yes, it's, it's a great long list here. I'm going to leave the mic for a moment. You don't mind. It's my... uh, the truth is, 
As, as God's people. Put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. These are all still factors in your life as a possibility, and that's why I hope that you always get two people to count the offertory. Do you always get two people? Oh, I won't ask that's a technical question, but I hope that is the rule in this church because we can't trust each other, because we are sinners. Which, by the way, is where we got into awful trouble with child abuse, because we trusted each other against our own doctrine, which tells us that we are still sinners. Okay, little words uh, of I hope wisdom for you. We yes, we do trust and love each other, but we're always conscious that sin is present even in the Christian family. We are not perfect, which is why you always have two people counting off a tree. I hope. Okay, put to death, therefore. <laughs> Sorry, my father. My father ran a club once, and he he made two people made two people get the get the money out of the pokies, and it increased the offer, it increased the givings, it increased the money, the income in the club by about three times. Okay, <laughs> put to death therefore what is earthly in you: sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. On account of these, the wrath of God. In these you two once walked; these are no long, They are true of you, but they are no longer decisively true of you. If I put it like that, there's a temptation, but that's not the real you. Live out the real you. Okay, but now you must put on all away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from the mouth. Don't lie to each other, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You were created, you are created in the image of God. We trashed the image of God when we sinned against God didn't get a lose it but we trashed it now as we live for Christ the image of God is renewed in us okay we become the people God designed us to be in fellowship look have a look uh, here there is no Greek or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian Scythian slave or free for Christ is all in all our churches need not it must not be little in groups and little clubs What's worse than a church where you come and you bounce off it? A number of you have said to me, I've said, why are you here? They say, because we got a welcome when we came. Well, that's pretty good. Because there's a number of churches where you simply bounce off. That's not church. Church is an intent, it's... What's the best way? You know... I'm sorry, forgive me for mentioning this, but uh, my wife is, is, is um, in, in some ways brilliant. Um, <laughs> one of the things she's brilliant at is intense family orientation with a welcome to outsiders. So that we'd often have people at the dinner table who didn't come from the family, but were made to feel part of the family. Our church ought to be intensely relational in a way in which is open to the outsider who comes to us representing different ethnicity, different, different uh, economic status. So many of our churches in Sydney are actually 
groups of professional people. Well, professional people need to be saved, I know that, and uh, I'm grateful for it, but we haven't really been welcoming uh, to people who, who may not be professionals. Uh, and do we really reflect what Paul is saying here? Look again, look at verse 10. No Jew or Greek, circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but all Christ is in all and all. That was an absolutely revolutionary statement in his day, and it remains revolutionary to this day. Our churches ought to reflect our unity in Christ and our unwillingness to discriminate against anyone on the basis of race um, or language or, or whatever, as uh, David pointed out. Okay, uh, now going on. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Now here's, we are, here's how the family is to treat itself, each other. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. Bearing with each other. If you have complaint against each other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. In other words, it's a family of the redeemed. Knowing that we have nothing, nothing in our hand, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. I am a nobody uh, and I forgive. Unfortunately, there are churches which become toxic, poisonous in the way in which people relate to each other. Uh, it does happen. Uh, pray God it never happens to you. Uh, but it's a breach of our relationship with the Lord Jesus when it happens because we are to forgive each other. Above all these things put on tolerance. You've got to tolerate each other. No love. That's what makes the Christian life so much better than the secularist. Secularists says tolerate each other. Oh, ho, ho, hum. They don't tolerate us, but love each other. That should be the mark. Love is the mark. Above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. We are one. So there is one church. Your church reflects the one true church, and therefore it is thoroughly church. It's not part of church. It is church. It's not a fragment of the body of Christ. It is the body of Christ. You realise that? I'll say it again. You're not part of the body, you are the body. So St. Thomas's, by the way, the Anglicans up the hill, so just leave them alone. Okay, well, no, love them, love them. Okay, each true church is fully the body of Christ because it's a manifestation of the one true body of Christ. Okay, and now, the church is marked by Christ's lordship. Christ rules his church. That's why we go to church in order to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in his word and by his spirit. Okay, so let the word of Christ dwell in you is a mistranslation there. It really should be among you. Let the word of Christ dwell among you. The word about Christ and the word that comes from Christ. Dwell The gospel, the gospel enshrined in the Bible. In, uh, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Interesting, it doesn't mention the minister there. Ministers don't get much of a mention in the Bible, really. We are all responsible. We are all responsible. Now, I'll come back to ministers tomorrow. It's okay, you can have ministers. But we are all responsible, teaching and admonishing each other with wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness and heart to God. 
Whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God because the whole thing is meant to glorify him as we see it in chapter 1. What a brilliant picture of church. It's a little bit different from the church I grew up in, where church was just a function. We went to church. Oh, that's what you did Sundays. And some people deliberately didn't even talk to anyone at church. It might spoil things. Can you believe that? They do, truly. You, you, some people left church early so as not to speak to anyone because you were talking to God. What? Crazy stuff, but it's true. And in my church, we had little in-groups. We had uh, the, the Freemasons. Uh, they, they were a little in-group in the church. I didn't tell people what they're up to and so forth and so on. Um, yeah, happened. It wasn't all one in Christ Jesus. It was very formal. Uh, and, there, and yeah, there were good things about it. There were really good things about it. But church today is so much better, usually, uh, because there is so much more opportunity for us to love and build each other up and more of that tomorrow. But do you notice that at the centre of it all is let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. What makes your church church is the preaching of the word of God. And I'm saying to you that when you go around looking for a new church and so forth, the first thing to check out, and I think you've said that this morning, is the preaching of the word of God. It's not preaching the minister. Have you noticed a lot of churches you, you go to, or see on the telly mainly, they're preaching the minister? Yeah. No, that's not what we want. We want the preaching of the word of God. What's the preaching of the word of God? It's the exposition of scripture. Here's the word of God. We know we have it. It's not preaching the word of God as he's the expert, he knows everything. No, because you have the Bible in your hand and you can check what he's saying. In fact, you know, uh, every family is a little church too. Every family is a little church where the word of God is taught and where the people seek the Lord in his word, by his spirit and in fellowship with each other. That's, that's true too. So when you're looking for a church, first of all, the preaching of the word of God and then check it for the response. Um, a lady stormed out of church once in our church and said, I'm not coming back here. I said, oh, first time she'd been. I said, what's wrong? She said, no prophecy here. I said, well, we had the preaching of the word of God. I know, but we had no prophecy. I said, well, we love each other. I'm not coming back. Whereas I would have thought, you know, our church is a pretty ordinary suburban church, nothing flash. Music's not as good as here. Um, don't tell anyone I said that. Uh, but you know, you go every Sunday and there's the preaching of the word of God and people love each other. What we see is faith, hope and love. And I reckon that's what you see in a true church where people love each other. 